Welcome, welcome to Not a Hoax, Not a Dream. I'm Ben, and this is still a show, I promise. I may not be exactly hitting my episode every two weeks goal for this season, but goals are kind of like rules in that way. Rules are meant to be broken, and goals are meant to be not achieved. I think it was Confucius that said that, but don't quote me. This bonus episode that I teased many weeks ago is about a pretty cool comic. Marvel and DC present The Uncanny X-Men and The New Teen Titans number one. The very fact that this comic exists is a fascinating story, and we'll get into that in a bit. But first, do you remember the first crossover story you ever experienced, where two completely separate sets of characters from different properties met up, fought, hung out, teamed up, etc.? If you're like me, it's a tough question to answer because you grew up taking in all kinds of media and parsing out whether you saw the Flintstones and Jetsons before Scooby-Doo meets Batman and Robin is kind of like solving a memory version of a Rubik's Cube. But this much I will say. The first crossover I really experienced probably took place on the floor of my childhood bedroom after deciding to have the Red Power Ranger punch Raphael the Ninja Turtle in the head or some such scenario. One of the coolest crossover events I ever experienced was one of the times my friend Joe brought over his team of Lego characters and creations to team up with my team of Lego people. I totally lifted the plot of how they met from the X-Men animated series multi-parter Beyond Good and Evil, but don't tell anyone. By the way, you can hear Joe and I on the Thor episode and a forthcoming episode on Uatu the Watcher. Coming soon. But that is the spirit embedded in this comic. This is Chris Claremont and Walt Simonson having a blast. And if you hear Claremont tell the story, the whole thing came about because Simonson overheard Chris talking about how cool it would be to write the story, and Walt wanted in. So, just how do the two teams from different companies cross paths? Let's find out in... Marvel and DC present The Uncanny X-Men and the New Teen Titans, number one. Written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Walter Simonson, inked by Terry Austin, lettered by Tom Orzakowski, colored by Glynis Ween, edited by Luis Jones, consulting edited by Len Ween. At the end of the universe, two beings discuss matters that only gods may discuss. They stand before the petrified corpses of an extinct powerful race that once tried to reach past the source wall to solve the mystery of what is beyond existence. Metron the greatest mind of New Genesis, now seeks to breach that wall and succeed where they've failed. Darkseid, the evil deity of tyranny, the ruler of the planet Apocalypse, possesses the key to allow Metron to do so. A trade is conducted, and Darkseid walks away with the Psychon Wave, a device that will enable him to reach into others' minds. The exchange finished, Metron activates the dimension traversing Mobius Chair and hurdles past the wall to end all walls. The chair remains behind. Meanwhile, on Earth, Westchester, New York, it is a day not unlike many days for the X-Men. Colossus, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler test their powers in the danger room as Professor Xavier watches. Elsewhere in the mansion, Cyclops and Storm have different applications for their powers. Cyclops pockets all the balls on a billiard table with one precise optic blast, while Storm carefully waters her plants. The youngest X-Men, Kitty Pride tries her hand at a non-powered skill set, cooking. Later, after dinner, as all the X-Men are in their beds, a dark figure visits them and steals away their thoughts. This strange visitor is after one thing in particular, memories of their former teammate who'd tragically died, Jean Grey, the Phoenix. Kitty startles awake, screaming, and this wakes the rest of the X-Men. 
As Cyclops tumbles out of bed, he hears a knock at the door. He answers it and sees a figure that shouldn't be there. It's Jean, as the phoenix, reaching out, calling for help. But before Jean's hands can touch Scott Summers, the image of her fades away, leaving nothing but her former lover, confused and distraught. Cyclops isn't the only one experiencing premonitions this night. The scene changes to Titan's Tower, home of the Teen Titans, where Raven dreams a nightmare of a fiery, all-consuming bird. She wakes with a scream, and her teammates Starfire and Beast Boy rush to her aid. Raven describes the being in her dream, and when Beast Boy transforms into the description, Starfire attacks him, yelling, Phoenix! before apologizing that she got carried away. See, the Phoenix is known to Starfire in her travels across the galaxy. Hopefully Raven's dream is only that, but if it is something more... Starfire summons the rest of the Titans, Cyborg, Robin, Kid Flash, and Wonder Girl, and encourages them to try to track down any sign of the Phoenix. Back at Xavier's mansion, the Professor has discovered that at the same time Cyclops saw Jean, there were strange occurrences at Kennedy Airport, the North Atlantic Sea, Sullivan County, Texas, Antarctica, and Edinburgh, Scotland. These are all locations that Jean visited as the Phoenix. The X-Men go to investigate, leaving the Professor behind, right in time for the Teen Titans to pay the mansion a visit. That's right, the Teen Titans know where the X-Men live. Also, they don't need to travel to another dimension or anything. In this comic, they just both exist in the same world, so hope you weren't expecting anything more complicated than that. The Titans heard that there was an X-Man named the Phoenix at some point, so they figured they'd show up and ask some questions. And by that, I mean Starfire figures she would bust through the walls of the place, yelling, Your reign of terror is over, evil one! The moment of your death is at hand! Professor X yells back, Ah, what the fuck? And knocks the space alien out with a psi blast. Cyborg hits the prof with a sonic ray, while Raven uses her soul self to knock Xavier unconscious. Robin shows up and asks them why they decided breaking and entering, criminal trespass, vandalism, and assault were all great ideas. But the teen wonder is barely able to finish his chastisement when a loud boom announces the arrival of a group of Darkseid's shock commandos. The titans put up a fight, but are caught off guard and captured by the fighting force. Meanwhile, the X-Men travel to New Mexico, another significant location the Phoenix visited during her time on Earth. There, Deathstroke, the Terminator, who is currently hired by Darkseid, oversees the construction of a massive machine designed to suck out all the emotional residue the Phoenix left there, since this is where Jean and Scott banged while Jean was the Phoenix. Look, I'm, I'm not making this up, that's what the comic says. Wolverine is able to sneak up on Deathstroke, but doesn't manage to finish the assassin. The Terminator takes out both Storm and Colossus, but not before the two destroy the machine. The rest of the X-Men are outnumbered and overwhelmed by the soldiers of Apocalypse at Deathstroke's command. We cut to Darkseid, dressing down to Revok, the leader of his shock commandos. They were supposed to bring him to X-Men, but only managed to bring their mentor and a bunch of costumed teenagers he cares nothing for. Deathstroke gives the boss man the good news and the bad news. He's captured the X-Men for him, but all the potential energy in New Mexico was lost when the team destroyed the machine. Darkseid doesn't let this setback stall him, and moves forward with the next step of his plan, which is to hook the X-Men into this giant windmill contraption and spin them around really fast, sucking up all their memories of Jean Grey and the Phoenix. Darkseid combines these memories with the energy he'd siphoned from the locations on Earth, and the primal force of the Source Wall, and through the power of these things combined, Darkseid uses the Psycon Wave to summon forth the Phoenix, reincarnated. 
Who dares? The phoenix bellows. Who summons Dark Phoenix? I, Dark Side. Scott Summers looks on in horror as the image of his former lover reaches out and grasps the hand of Darkseid. The villain then reveals his evil plan, that he will use the power of Phoenix to destroy the Earth and rebuild a new apocalypse, from where he will extend his domain to the rest of the universe. The despot and his newly summoned paramour then leave through a boom tomb. As soon as the boom tube closes, the X-Men and Teen Titans are freed from their shackles. Presumably, the villain figured them powerless to stop him, trapped as they are at the end of the universe. The two groups introduce themselves to each other, and we get this cool page of the teams lined up across from each other, shaking hands and smiling. If you know that meme of the Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles shaking hands, well, this is the OG version of that. They find the Mobius chair, which has just been floating around in space since Metron phased through the wall at the beginning, and they use it to get back to Earth, where Beast Boy transforms into a giant version of Lockheed the Dragon and gives them all a ride over to where Darkseid has set up his base. With the superpowers of two teams at hand, the X-Men and Teen Titans tear through Darkseid's minions, but the Dark Phoenix's power still surpasses them all. She has generated a cosmic pit of fire, which will soon consume the planet. Xavier and Raven combine their powers with that of the Mobius chair, and Raven is able to channel all of the X-Men's love for Jean Grey directly at the cosmic firebird. It proves to be the Dark Phoenix's only weakness. Her power wanes, at which point Robin suggests to her that she needs to reabsorb her hell pit to sustain herself. Phoenix takes the bait, and the Earth is temporarily saved. Her power is now somewhat restored, but still fading rapidly, and her only hope is to possess a physical form nearby. She chooses her once lover, and Cyclops becomes the Phoenix. Now bonded with Scott's memories, the Phoenix remembers everything she had learned while bonded to Jean. She remembers her final moments, and finds it cruel to be snatched back from the void for such ignoble reasons. Through Cyclops's body, the Phoenix turns on Darkseid, snatching him in her talons. The cosmic firebird separates from Cyclops and takes the mad tyrant back to the source wall, this time not as a visitor, but as yet another failed petrified deity to forever populate the wall at the end of the universe. Now that is a crossover, one of the best, maybe the best. There's so much packed into that story I couldn't hope to include it all, and Walt Simonson does some of his best work on this book, which is saying something. But that's a wrap for our purposes. Stay tuned for more episodes soon, like really this time, I'm not kidding. I've already recorded with Joe for the episode on Watu the Watcher and with the Gotham Outsiders podcast on an episode about Jason Todd, the Red Hood. And both conversations were really fun. So look forward to that. As always, check the show notes for my social medias, including the Patreon, where you could give me a dollar a month to fund the creation of a giant windmill. And until next time, always remember, if you see a mysterious, cool-looking chair floating in space, it's probably the solution to all your immediate problems. See ya.